Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone. And I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avon Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. Today, I am speaking with Jennifer Rassiopi and... I met Jen a few years ago when I was doing a free online program called I Heart My Moon Cycle, and I learned that we have similar loves of helping women to live in harmony with our rhythms and with our cycles, and Jen is a women's health and success coach, and I really love how she combines science with spirituality in a way that empowers women to take full ownership of their lives. So, Jen, it's really wonderful to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I am um, super honored to be here and to have had a chance to engage your work. This is really good stuff. And I know you just came back from a vacation in Italy. I was enjoying seeing some of your pictures on Instagram, so I hope you had a safe journey back. 
And we always start our gatherings here with a little personal check-in. So I'd love for you to let our listeners know where you're calling from today and how you're doing overall with your body, your mind, and your heart. Yeah. Oh, well, deep breath. Thank you. And I am in um, Brooklyn, New York, and you're absolutely correct. I just came home from a very romantic getaway with my husband. Um, we had a lovely time, and it was to Italy, which was really interesting to be there um, because I was both in a mecca of food that was amazing and incredible and not always what my body wanted. So I had a little bit of an interesting experience there with really uh, figuring out where my body is right now in terms of what it really needs when it comes to gluten. Um, and it was also really interesting because while I was there, I was, uh, you know, other than the few Instagram posts, pretty shut off and not working at all. And as these things happen, I still found myself looking at art and analyzing um, the feminine in art and analyzing uh, astrology in the Renaissance period and how it was depicted in these beautiful paintings and feeling also, um, quite honestly, a magnitude of shame when I stepped into the Vatican and, and I was reading in some of the art history book I was reading about um, when women were no longer allowed to practice in the ways that they did with um, having divination with nature and using magic and alchemy as ways of being in the world because the church deemed it wrong or sinful. You know, it was really interesting to be in that space and feel those feelings because I grew up in a very patriarchal household. I grew up um, Roman Catholic all Italian family, the second girl, I mean, the first girl, second child, so I had an older brother, and uh, yeah, that the, the Italian patriarch definitely was a part of my upbringing and definitely a part of my story, so it was interesting to be back in um, Italy, I spent quite a bit of time there, and, uh, and this time from a different perspective, where I'm really at a much different place in my life and still feeling like the magnitude of the church and this history and this lineage bring me to an interesting place within. It does sound really interesting and I think that will weave in really well to what we're talking about today. And before we get there though, I'd love for you to share just in a nutshell, what what is the work that you're offering to women and what led you to that? Yeah. So I'm a women's health and success coach. I'm moving away from, well, I'm, moving, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in transformation with it. I've, um, I'm really interested in working with the cycles of nature and cycles of our bodies. And so I uh, have a pretty solid practice with astrology and tracing the phases of the moon and the phases of the planet and I intertwine it with women, particularly women in business to help them work in a more embodied way in tune with, with themselves and the natural cycles of time. And so I, I'm in the process of recreating what I do to really accurately reflect just how much I'm really using astrological cycles in my work. 
And I came to this through a pretty heavy crisis, and um, and it was not something I ever sought out to do. It was part of my own heroine's journey and, and part of my hero's journey, um, as I defined it at that time. And, um, you know, to just cut to the chase, I had um, cancer at a really young age. At the age of 18, I had an ovarian tumor explode. And at the age of 19, I had had a total hysterectomy due to a really aggressive endometrial cancer. And so before I turned 20, I had already gone through menopause, surgical menopause, which is like parachuting into one of the most extreme cliffs of a hormonal life um, in the course of the woman's journey. It, it was really, really, really intense. So by the time I had turned 20, I had uh, lost my capacity to reproduce. I had lost all my natural hormones. I had completely rejected every notion that there was a femininity. I had done the very masculine thing of leaving my home and going externally into the world, and I moved 3,000 miles away and um, recreated my life day by day, step by step. And one massive turning point in my healing journey occurred when I was initiated into understanding the cyclical nature of time as dictated by the lunar cycles and the moon. How were you initiated into that? Well, it was very informally. I met um, a woman in a bookstore in Tahoe, and I uh, had a tarot card reading with her, and she was really sweet and amazing. And, you know, she sat me down, and she just said, hey, look, you know, you're not doing well. You've been rejecting the feminine for a really long time. And, I, and you know, I was 21. I didn't, these words I heard but didn't really hear. And she said that what I'm missing is a connection to the feminine. And because I don't have a, a, a menstrual cycle, I, you know, she prescribed me lunar cycles. And, you know, I really didn't know what she was saying or really what was happening. However, um, she invited me to a sweat lodge in her house on the west shore of Lake Tahoe, and I went. And it was a beautiful sweat um, it actually wasn't too hot at all. It was pretty mild, but it was very transformational. And she invited me to learn from her these sacred lunar rituals that have been in her family for generations, passed down from woman to woman, on how to um, create with the cycles of time as dictated by the moon. So new moon would be time to set intentions and get really quiet and still, um, adding energy to your creations until the moon comes full. And then there's a beautiful full moon ritual that she taught me about really embodying the powers of the moon in, in a sacred way. Um, and then from there, going into the release, so the waning cycle of the moon and, and getting really clear on what isn't working and how I'm in a cycle of sabotage with myself. And, yeah, not... not participating with my highest good and, and letting it go in a really sacred way and then, you know, starting the cycle again with the new moon. Um, and this just became really sacred to me because, I mean, it was powerful beyond belief, but I didn't, I didn't have a menstrual cycle and um, I was really lost and this anchored me. So for those women who are just coming here and 
hearing about the lunar cycles and our menstrual cycles, why why is this important? Yeah. Well, you know, the the lunar cycle is cyclical. There, I mean, I'm sorry, the menstrual cycle is cyclical. There's a a waxing and a waning that happens hormonally um, that really dictates um, psychological and spirit and spiritual changes in our body. So, you know, the time of our menstrual cycle, when I still had a menstrual cycle, I saw it as awful. It was the worst. I wanted it to go away. It just was plaguing me. And I didn't cycle healthily, like with health. I cycled very abnormally. So my menstrual cycles were long and heavy and hard. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that they're sacred. It's a sacred renewal of the body. It's a, um, it's a time when the hormones are such in the brain where, you know, we can really connect to our intuition, the voice of our soul, or as you say, she and hear what we most want, and rest, and rejuvenate. And as the cycle continues to wax from there until ovulation, we have a boost in hormones. So, you know, FSH, LH, these hormones that have names that I don't think we need to go that granular, they begin to spike, estrogen, testosterone, things happen, all in preparation of ovulation. And ovulation is this time when we are in a peak state. Our energy is high. We are, to some degree, driven to compete. And I guess we could talk about that in terms of both shadow and light. Um, we're energized and we have a lot of power to, um, on the very basic level, get pregnant. And on a deeper level, and, maybe, you know, I think the context of where this conversation will go, um, to shine and celebrate. And if we look at that in the context of a full moon, that's what the full moon is. It's a peak energy time where we're being blessed with maybe not a rise in estrogen and testosterone and follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, but rather a magnitude of a gravitational pull and the reflection of the sun's light by the moon onto earth where things just are more robust and it's easier to be a little bit more proud, a little bit more social, whatever it may mean. And then from there, the female cycle such that if a pregnancy doesn't occur, there's the shedding of the lining and there's the release of this hormonal peak that happens. And that's when... Um, a more intuitive, introverted time of the month occurs where maybe we're not so, let's have that difficult conversation with our boss or take the power yoga um, and or run three miles, but rather, hey, let me organize my closet. Um, let me turn down that social you know, invitation. Let me say no to this obligation that doesn't feel right and let me tune in and listen because I just don't feel like doing that, right? Like It's just a very natural thing that happens, but it's happening in a hormonal rhythm in the body. And this leads us to um, a time where, you know, I believe our right brain, our right hemisphere and left hemisphere become a little bit more in sync and maybe our intuition becomes a little louder and a little stronger and maybe we're hearing things that are guiding us in our life um, and, and maybe not you know, as energized as we might be during ovulation or a follicular phase of the month, but rather given secret, sacred, soulful transmission from ourselves 
to ourselves. And from there, we repeat a cycle. We have our bleed, we set a new intention, we become a new woman, we are reborn, and um, we ascend and rise again. Thank you, Jen. And in the book of She, I mapped this journey out that you just spoke of as a mini heroine's journey. And we'll talk about the heroine's journey in a moment, but first you said that when you were initiated into these lunar cycles, it was powerful. Yes. What, what, what were some things that happened for you when you did this? Well, I mean, jeez, <laughs> it's such a juicy conversation. Um, you know, I was really um, blessed. My story was really hard, right? I mean, I had cancer. I had rejected my femininity. I grew up in a masculine family where I thought it was really evil and dirty to be a woman. You know, from the earliest I can remember, I wanted to be a boy. I used to hold my stomach and pray that I wouldn't be able you know, that, that my situation would go away. And, like, I really, really, really had a lot of self-hatred when it came to what it meant to be a woman. And um, in this particular instance, in this particular way, I was shown a way of being in, in the world where it was the most powerful thing in the world to be a woman, that it wasn't shameful and it wasn't um, painful and my desires were real and so this is where the big miracle happened. Debbie, the woman who um, mentored me, she basically, you know, had a had one of those come to Mary moments and looked me in the eye and said, you know, basically you've been denying what you want, your desire, you know, for so long that you've gotten sick and I was at this choice point in my life. I was either going to go back to the East Coast where I had originally started college and continued there and I had applied to some other schools on the East Coast and gotten into and was considering coming back where I was going to stay on the West Coast but I didn't know where I was going to go to college. I had taken a leave of absence. And she just looked me in the eye and said, you know, if you go back East, you're going to get sick again. And it was very clear. You know, she was like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And at this point, there was only so much she knew about my story. And um, she really urged me to get really clear on what it was I wanted and to let my desire, keyword desire, guide me. And at the time, I didn't, you know, I didn't have financial support. My parents were not ever um, in a situation where they could pay for my college, really. And on top of it, I left. So I, um, any, you know, I didn't have a ton of financial support. Um, and so I was in this place where I felt really bound by what was financially available to me. And I didn't know that there were ways of creating that would support my desires. So, you know, I had some really challenging situations in my life. And then I learned this huge lesson, which is like, oh, my desire is guiding me where I need to go. And as I follow my desire and I learn to ride the waves of everything that that brings up, if I stay true to what I, where I'm going and where I'm being led, flash guided, there's a force bigger than me making that happen. And I just maybe knew that in my subconscious somewhere because I had made it to Lake Tahoe from New Jersey to begin with, which was 
pretty major, but I didn't know that I that this could be a way of life. It wasn't a fluke. It was bigger than me, and that there was actually practices that could ground me um, in this way of being in the world. Mm. So you have definitely been on the heroine's journey. <laughs> What is that what does that phrase bring forth for you? You know, I mean, I think first of all I just wanna say, um, wow. You know, this book is so needed in such a transmission. And I, I got that really got when you, you you know, in the book as you mentioned that, that this is I mean, I'm like girl crush blabbering because I'm so in awe of you, the, your ability to have articulated this the way you did and the stages and the steps. So this is a must read. This is a big deal. I'm really excited about this. This is, I think, one of the most important books um, that maybe I'll ever read. So, um, I, you know, just a deep bow to your ability to articulate and put this together. Thank you. For me, you're welcome. It's so heartfelt and real. Um, for me, the heroine's journey really looked like riding the waves of darkness to such point <laughs> that I felt literally insane. Because part of my story is, you know, I had these really horrific menstrual cycles. I was radically hormonally unbalanced. Um, in my family, there is a history of depression and, you know, and maybe some mental illness, but who knows because it was never really diagnosed that way. And I was highly intuitive and thought I was crazy. Um, and so from an early age, I was put on both the birth control pill and antidepressants. And, um, you know, part of me embracing this way of life and this way of being in the world was, a, you know, I, I, I was given the triple threat. I'd never long, I no longer had hor natural hormones. I was given hormone replacements that weren't really nothing I would ever, 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 ever put in my body knowing what they were now and being where I am now. But at the time, it was just prescribed, and I was a teenager and didn't know what they were, so I was taking them and was then given a nice dose of, like, Paxil or something on top of it. And um, so I was in this place of not really knowing what health was and I did um, take Debbie's advice, and I moved to San Francisco by myself. I didn't know a single soul in the city. I had no money. And I created from my desire and lived there for many years and met my then-boyfriend, now-husband, and graduated college and had a, got myself completely healthy and from a mental standpoint, did a lot of therapy, got off of antidepressants and changed my... Um, hormones, did a lot of work around natural health and healing. Um, but along the way, I had to face the shadow of thinking I was crazy, thinking that, you know, I was manic or I don't know a lot of things. And in that finding, I mean, the work of Debbie Ford really changed my life um, in, and her work around shadow and going into shadow and naming shadow and healing shadow and appreciating shadow and then ultimately loving shadow um, was a huge, huge, huge transformational piece for me. But really what 
it looked like for me was getting really comfortable with feeling really uncomfortable. I love that. That's one of the the core values here at The Way of the Happy Woman. <laughs> yeah, like getting so comfortable with feeling uncomfortable enough where I could settle into it and let it move itself through my body. Because it goes away. It turns into something else. Yeah, there's like alchemy that happens. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Because I was really uncomfortable for a long time. And are you still following this motto that my desire is guiding me to where I need to go? You know, it's so embedded in who I am now that it's not, um, to answer your question, yes. And, you know, I'm so um, mental and so, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, plagued with responsibility and other, you know, I still have an ego. I still have a... Um, metrics I measure myself up against. I still have a shadow. I mean, I'm not, I wish, you know, we're working on enlightenment maybe soon enough, who knows. Um, but no, you know, not, not, not as much as I could be all the time. And yes, so profoundly, it's like every aspect of my life. It, does that make sense? It does. And I think that I know for me and I think for every woman, one of the hardest things for us to do is actually, one, get in touch with our desire, mm-hmm. and then, two, to actually follow it. Mm-hmm. So what are some simple ways that, you know, when you were initially embracing this, and maybe even still now, that you listened to your desire and then took the steps to prioritize it? Yes, yeah, I'm very psychosomatic. My body is basically, um, you know, I, I have come to, because I really, you know, had to embrace my menopause transition with such extreme um, fervor, really, that, you know, I, my body tells me what it needs to do. So it tells me when I need to sleep. It tells me when I need to wake. It tells me um, when I need to eat. It's really loud about when I need to eat. Um, so my practice is really to follow my body's rhythm and to have set practices in my life and set, you know, I, I practice yoga, I have regular rituals in my life that ground me and center me so that I am in, in tune with it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is my body's my instrument mm-hmm. and my body guides me and I am pretty awesome at listening to it. For the most part. Was it always that way for you? I mean, obviously not. No. God, no. No. So, so what were some of the initial steps that helped you oh, yeah. to bridge that gap between body and mind? Um, yoga. I did a lot of yoga. Really, really, I you know, I swear by yoga for, on a personal level because it, it gets, it. there's a transformational process through the asana, whether you're doing yin or Ashtanga or flow, I think that all yoga is a beautiful way to for women to get familiar with their body as long as they're practicing it in a way that really honors themselves and not, you know, being too strict. 
Um, so yoga is a big piece. Um, I've had to learn how to sit with my discomfort to such an extreme where I can isolate it in my body and figure out, okay, like part of my healing, I did a lot of psychosomatic work. Um, uh, Peter Levine, I think he lives in Boulder. He, I forget, I'm forgetting his book, but it's somatic experiencing yeah. where you learn to sit with the sensations in your body and um, be with them in a way where they open up. So somatic experiencing, I think, is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tool. Um, meditation, learning to sit and listen to my manic mind and then developing the capacity to witness, okay, that's the mind, and then let me think down a little deeper. And so starting to separate the entanglement around my thoughts and um, what I actually feel, and that really just takes time and patience. Um, honoring the phases of the moon is a non-negotiable, so you know, allowing myself to have more robust activity at the time of the full moon and more um, slow internal activity at the time of the new moon, assuming my schedule allows it right now. Uh, you know, I'm ramping up for soul camp. I just came back from vacation and we're, you know, heading into the new moon. So it's a very um, yang time. So, so, but at least acknowledging that it's yang when I feel yin for me, create some sort of cohesion. Here's the big thing. Allowing myself to be congruent even when I'm incongruent and acknowledging that and taking a deep breath and letting it be um, centers me and grounds me and helps me uh, really just mindfully understand where I'm at. And, and, am I answering your question or are you looking for like a step one, step two, step no, three? No, you, you, you definitely are. And given, also given your studies, oh, there's a car alarm going off outside, <laughs> given your studies with the moon, I'm curious, women often ask me, what, what is a ritual I can do on the new moon, on the full moon? What, yeah. what, what would you say to that? Yeah, oh, there's so many beautiful rituals. Um, you know, my, my training is such that, um, and I don't even say training, it's, it's just my practice. Is such that new moons are a time to really set intentions on um, what it is you want, and full moons are times of celebration. So the most basic way to do this is on um, the new moon, spend time getting quiet and really listening to what it is you're feeling. Um, journaling is great. I... Um, have a group of friends and we affectionately call ourselves the moon or lunars and we occasionally get together as much as we can on new moons and we hold space for one another and we sit in a circle and we listen to where each other are at and we reflect back to one another what we're hearing and so we have a little you know a little connection and and sisterhood where we listen and and and, and hold for each other and I think that that's a really beautiful thing for women to do because, um, and you talk a lot about this in your book, alone I can deceive myself at times and um, not necessarily, I, I don't know, not necessarily get the reflection in me that sometimes my dear friends can give me and other times being alone is really the medicine I need. So again, it's like having that astute sense of discernment but the new moon is a beautiful time to anchor into what you want and set an intention. And so at the most basic level, I just suggest writing out what you want 
if you can, getting a candle and lighting it in honor of the darkness and putting some phrasings around where you're at, what you're being led to, how you're being called to transform and write it, write it down. Um, you know, for a while, every night before I went to bed between the new moon and the full moon, I would read my intention and relight the candle and do some visualizations and check in around it and see if I needed to change it. And so that's a beautiful thing you can continue to do. Um, Debbie taught me to take ritual baths, which were, you know, salt baths. So get some great Epsom salts or something wonderful and get some beautiful essential oils and light some candles and have like a ceremonial cleansing of yourself to really feel like you're embodying the sacred vessel that you are and um, dressing yourself, even if it's just with a beautiful nightgown or some silky PJs, whatever it is, to feel sacred and special and to actually have those sacred and special items in your, in your house. Um, she really uh, encouraged to be clean and tidy, you know, to uh, clean your space and have things organized so that you could be inviting of something higher. And, and this is all the time of the new moon. And then the full moon is really a different energy altogether. It's um, really active and celebratory. And um, she gave me a beautiful ritual around sitting under the full moonlight and um, eating like these little wafer moon cookies or, you know, having a glass of yummy wine in, in ceremony with the divine, like with the feminine, almost like at church they may give you some red wine. At the time of the full moon, having like a sacred sacrament, which was really fun. I don't always do that anymore, but there was a time in my life where that was really fun. And, um, you know, I mean, at the very basics, basic level, I just say get the moonlight, go outside and, and find it because it's really healing and, and powerful. And just like we need sunlight, moonlight is really powerful. It's great for the, you know, pituitary gland, the hypothalamus. Um, and it, it is symbolic of the feminine, if nothing else that, you know, the moon really is. And if you could add something in our collective rewriting of the global narrative on our rites of passage as as women, what would you be sure to include in that? Okay. So, yeah, you asked this question before, and I really thought about it. And this is, like, from the depths of my own experience and the depths of my own work. You know, we don't have space in our lives culturally to break down and we don't have space in our lives culturally to honor the passages of time and what I learned by you know I will say was unfortunate at the time and now you know I see it as a blessing what I went through in terms of parachuting into menopause before I turned 20 was how powerful hormonal transitions are and what a blessing they can be. And so to answer your question, I really think it's about not running from the changes of our body, not running from like, oh, PMS, ah, it's here, or period, nah, yuck, or, you know, on a more 
macro level, you know, perimenopause, I tried to um, put together some writing on the perimenopausal transition and put it out there. And, and I, it's, it's a body of work I may revisit in the future, though right now it's not really actively what I'm pursuing. But it was so interesting because when I was putting it out there, you know, I was talking to people, I'm like, so if you went into a bookstore, would you pick up something on perimenopause or menopause? And they're like, no. You know, they're like, that's what my mom went through. That's what my grandmother went through. And though, even though these were women in that age group, there was this complete and total reluctance to identify with that category. So I don't know if we just need to, like, create different names or if it's, like, an internal embracing of the terms perimenopause and menopause. But the reality is, is that, at least my experience in talking about this, is that there's a, a reluctance to embrace this as a sacred time in our life, a part of the heroine's journey, a part of an embodiment of the feminine, a part of getting so much more true with what we need and what we want, a part of stepping into feminine power in a whole new way. And, you know, I just think it would be beautiful. The world I imagine is where um, that's, not pushed away or medicated or overridden or feared or, you know, um, still in the, in the phrase hysteria or, you know, these words that come out around women going through changes that are hormonally influenced, but rather embrace, and it sounds like a very masculine word, so forgive me, but leveraged and leveraged towards the... Um, betterment of our own lives and the betterment of the planet because it is those whispers of the divine that come through that crisis or that come through that change that are you know soul-driven instructions on how we need to be as a society and what we need on this planet and um yeah it would be really beautiful if that was really honored differently than it currently is Mm, thank you well said thank you for being one of the crusaders for that vision. And in closing, what what is your current growing edge? Where where are you in your heroine's journey now? Yeah, well, it's so interesting. You know, as a woman who um, who uh, is incapable of um, having a family and being 30, 36 this year and in um, a really beautiful, healthy, sacred marriage with a man I adore more than anything. In such a balanced way, we work really hard on our relationship. And I have to say, it's one of the things I'm most proud of um, in my life is just the sacred container he and I share. You know, the, the reality that we can't have a family of our own, which is always something we've intellectually have known, but I never... I know I recently came into a level of um, grief around this that I didn't know existed within me or I had thought I worked through or didn't realize, I just just didn't, was unaware. And um, so I've been working with that and sitting with that and really, really owning um, the shadow and the light around that and giving myself permission to be in that reality and then still really curious 
and that's the key word. I'm just so curious to to see where I'm led next um, in terms of uh, having a mothering instinct, and you know I'm. I don't know where that will go, you know. I, I honestly don't know what, what will become of that. Um, there's a lot of ways I already mother, and yet there's a deeper calling within me for uh, something slightly more intimate, and that could mean actually pursuing adoption, or it can mean doing different sorts of SAVA work, and I have no idea, honestly, no idea. Um, so that's where I'm on my edge. I'm just really bowing down and seeing what's coming next. Hmm. Letting your desire guide you. Yeah, yeah. even when my desire in this one is not clear at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, not at all. My sadness has been a little bit more obvious, but my desire hasn't quite figured mm-hmm. itself out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I I love getting to know you better bit by bit over these years and I'm really grateful for the work you're doing in the world and for sharing your story with us today and for for living this journey. I know that you know what what you've been through is not something that's often talked about and I know it's going to be inspiring to a lot of women listening today. So thank you for for your vulnerability and your perseverance. Oh, my pleasure and this wonderful body of writing and methodology and voice that you're sharing with the world is goosebump worthy, paradigm shifting, and profound. Um, So I am excited to uh, spread the word. Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.